Real Presence Live. It's this really powerful sense of, okay, you're seen, you're known, you're missed if you're not here. Local. It's that good crop of corn or beans or wheat or whatever it is that you do that, you know, you grow it, you grow it to the Lord, and if it doesn't come about, you just have to be patient and say, well, there's always next year. Engaging. Evangelization is the fruit of the love of God being poured into the hearts of Jesus' friends. Live. This is our charism, to be witnesses of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Welcome, everybody, to the Sons of Thunder show. I'm Father Justin Wall. And I'm Father Josh Wall. And we are the Sons, Sons of Thunder. Thunder. All right, everybody, all 2.5 million of you. Good morning. We are live from Bishop Ryan High School. Coming from the north. In northern North Dakota. And it is cold. My, not North Dakota. It's cold. Freaky. Freaky cold outside. We have got a powerhouse of a show for you here today or this morning, so we want you to do what you always do, Facebook in, text somebody, give somebody a call, and let them know the Sons of Thunder are live on Real Presence Catholic Radio this morning. We're going to be interviewing the bishop. We've got students locally. We have Mrs. Grace Fisher, uh, the historian of Minot, that will be on later with us today. And we're going to be talking about a lot of really great subjects, especially during Straight Talk. We want you to be calling in and or Facebooking in with any questions. So uh, let us know already if you want to start uh, uh, typing in on that stuff and or calling in so that we can answer those questions later on. That's going to be great. We had a breakthrough this morning. Uh, Father Josh and I, Sons of Thunder, this is our third season. Uh, we just entered into our third season this fall, so for those of you faithful followers that have been uh, listening to the show, it's been our delight uh, for the last two years to serve you in the Catholic community and beyond. Uh, but we actually set up our own Comcast this morning, and so <laughs> it's quite amazing, everybody. A lot of the times we're in the studio in Bismarck, uh, actually, as of late, we've been traveling taking around. Taking the show on the road. Taking the show on the road. Uh, we don't have a big trailer. We just have a little box. Uh, <laughs> but the, the Comcast unit is in there, and usually we have uh, a producer out that, that sets all of this up and gets it rolling. But this morning, we did it ourselves at 8 o'clock in the morning. We got here an hour early, which is also rare for us. <laughs> And, usually uh, we're flying in. Usually we are the, everybody's sweating as we come in. Right, last, not sure if we're going to show up or not. The last two minutes right before. Now it is time for everybody's favorite segment. We're going to crush, crush it with Bishop Kagan. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Here we go. This is going to be. Good morning, Bishop. Are you with us? I certainly am. I'm overwhelmed by the introduction. Isn't it great? <laughs> yeah, I'm almost speechless. <laughs> Just so, almost. Bishop, we want to we thank you once again for being on. Bishop is calling in from Bismarck this morning as we are up here in his northern part of his diocese. Kingdom. And part of the kingdom. Part of the kingdom. <laughs> the kingdom of Kagan. Oh. <laughs> uh, as you know, Bishop, we have uh, a church opening and dedication coming 
uh, here in my Where island. is that, Ashley? That is at St. Leo the Great Roman Catholic Church. Who is the pastor right at in that? My... Who is the pastor at that church? I've heard he's one of the best pastors we have in the diocese. I right? have, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's none other than yours truly, everyone. We've been working for the last uh, five years on this project between study capital campaign and finally renovation process. But, Bishop, we want to just, uh, for our listeners, because I think a lot of people <laughs> – I uh, have never been to a church dedication, but I think at the same time, many people are aware of <clears throat> the need uh, of church renovations. And the third part of that is the the destruction through church renovations uh, over the last 30 to 40, 50 years of bad architecture. So why don't we start <clears throat> being that uh, you just celebrated... Did yeah. you, 50, no, that's oh. the Pope's 50 years. How many years have you been ordained, Bishop? Uh, he'll be a priest uh, 50 years on December 13th this Pope week. Francis. So, uh, yes, yeah, but Pope you just Francis. celebrate. You just celebrated yours on the 30th, right? Oh yeah, I've been bishop eight years here. How long have you been ordained? Uh, well, let's see. On Saturday, 44 and a half years. Wow! Congratulations. <laughs> I was ordained uh, June 14th, 1975. It was a year before I was born. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, that's nice. So, Bishop, over the course of your uh, priesthood, you have seen a tremendous amount of change. Um, mm-hmm. And can you just tell us a little bit historically about church architecture, building renovations during the course of your priesthood? Well, you know, uh, growing up uh, in the... Uh, late 40s, early 50s, uh, most churches, and I, I can't say every church, because church architecture, the uh, the Catholic Church has never really canonized one particular architectural style. What the church requires uh, for its sacred liturgies, beginning with uh, the Holy Mass itself, is a, a permanent stable altar, uh, a visible tabernacle, uh, and then all that goes with the, uh, the proper licit and valid celebration uh, of first the Mass, of course, the Most Holy Eucharist, and then what the Church itself prescribes for uh, the validity of the celebration of the other sacraments. But when we're talking about uh, church architecture, it's in the Church where, uh, for the most part, all of the sacraments uh, are celebrated. Uh, And I would say, perhaps save for the anointing of the sick and dying, which usually you know, it can take place in church, but usually doesn't. Most of the the sacramental rites uh, take place in church. And so uh, the church uh, it, it doesn't really get into, you know, uh, approving a single style of architecture. Uh, what it uh, does... Uh, uh, demand uh, in its its rubrics is certain uh, things that must be present for the valid and licit celebration of the sacraments. But uh, 
in my time, uh, you know, you get used to uh, things, and uh, when things change, sometimes people react badly because they think they're immutable or unchangeable. Well, that isn't the case, and anyone who studies uh, the real history of the liturgical life of the Church would understand not only has the language of the sacraments changed over time, uh, the uh, places where the sacraments were celebrated has changed over time, and what does not change, however, is the dogma and doctrines of the faith which undergird the seven sacraments. And so, um, for instance, uh, you know, you can, you can see various styles of uh, church architecture, not just in the United States, which is relatively young in comparison to Europe, but when you go to Europe, you see uh, several different styles of church architecture, and because of the way the church is designed, where the altar, where the tabernacle uh, uh, have been placed, what the church requires uh, is quite uh, different. It requires a stable, you know, permanent altar uh, with uh, the relic of a saint embedded in the altar itself. It requires a visible, uh, permanently uh, placed and anchored tabernacle for the veneration of the faithful and the uh, the proper uh, reposing of the Blessed Sacrament at all times outside of Mass. Uh, and, uh, again, even the use of pews is a relatively recent development uh, in Church architecture. Uh, earlier times, even into uh, medieval times, there uh, people stood for mass. Right. Uh, which you, you still know, see in it, Europe today, you know. Which you still see. Uh, so I mean, a lot of these things, as I say, we get used to and think they've been chiseled in stone by divine law, and it just isn't true. Uh, it, the church is in the person of the the Pope, uh, more specifically, is the one, uh, he is the as supreme pontiff as the universal shepherd. Uh, he is the, uh, the one who oversees and is the principal custodian of not just the dignity of the sacraments, but how the sacraments themselves are properly celebrated so that there is no confusion among the faithful uh, about uh, whether it's the Mass or it's baptism or it might be confirmation or a wedding, whatever it is. Uh, the Church is the soul in the person of the, the Pope. The Church is the soul, if you will, moderator and supervisor of uh, how the sacraments are to be celebrated within the body of a given church. Now, maybe maybe you could speak just a little bit, Bishop, because I I fall I think we're we're all following uh, that line of thought. But you would have to agree that the 
building of churches and renovation of churches or even just some of the destruction that happened over, let's say, the last 30 or 40 years, what comes to mind is like moving the Blessed Sacrament well, you know, yeah. out of the See, altar that, to, the, uh, to the closet. I, I was pastor of a parish uh, when I became Bishop of Bismarck. <clears throat> the, the parish church was obviously designed by a committee. Uh, <laughs> there were no 90-degree angles anywhere in the church. It it, it was, you, you could see everybody got a little bit of something, what they wanted, and it, it, it ends up just, you know, it looks something, you know, like a, a, a large meeting hall, but it isn't. It doesn't look <laughs> like what we would think a church should look like. Right. But see, and that's, uh, you know, uh, that's the responsibility in a diocese of, of a bishop. He has to have the final say over how th- churches are built, uh, uh, how they are renovated, because the uh, the church it, itself has, as I said, specific requirements for the what's essential in every church, and you can't really mess with those things. Otherwise, it begins to cause confusion. And right. uh, I mean, I've I've been pastor of of churches that. You know, uh, when you look at their older pictures, and then, you know, when you see what you have, you have to wonder, you know, what were they thinking about when they did this? Because, <laughs> you know, I don't dispute, uh, I never disputed that a church maybe needed to be renovated, but it, you know, it's almost like they decided they were going to try and fit a, a square peg in a round hole, because... What you have looks nothing like what the church was built and de- designed and built as, and that's the problem. So many times, uh, pastors and bishops run into uh, when it comes time uh, for other church renovations or the building of a new uh, parish church. Bishop, um, what 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 were they thinking? You, I mean, you went through. I that. don't know. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> you well, went through that I, time, so I mean, you might have had yeah, I, some insight. I have a, my. It's just my personal opinion, but I, I think it. First of all, uh, there were many, uh, at least in the United States, and it's my opinion. I'm not, you know, speaking infallibly by any means, but there were many who realized that the council did not do what they expected to be done, so they took matters into their own hands and tried to justify it by saying, this is the spirit of the council. Well, of course, that spirit with a small s, not (laughs) the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, it, it, it came about with the dreadful liturgical music that all of a sudden was forced on everybody. The puppet mass. (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, you know, we it, it, there were all kinds of enormities that you know I, you know, you look back and you wonder was that even a valid mass? Uh, but you know, uh, we've come a long way away from that nonsense. But you know, it did have an effect and made an impression on a lot of people, and it was thoroughly unnecessary. Uh, but again. Uh, when you read 
the documents of the council itself, specifically Sacrosanctum Concilium, and then the documents of implementation of the council, there's nothing in there that coincides with what we see happened in so many churches. Well, Bishop, Bishop, that was great. Thank you so much. We're going to pick this up with you again. we got to have this conversation. Many people are very interested in it. That was Crushing It with Bishop Kagan. Thank you, Bishop. We'll see you next time, and we're going to be back right after this break, everyone.